Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus told the disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him night and day? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. From Jeremiah, I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. I'm certain there are a good number of folks in this room today who recall a time in Northern Ireland known as the Troubles. Now, if ever there was a label that, that is a poor choice of words, or at least a, a, an expression that doesn't meet the, the definition of what was going on, this is it. During the Troubles, which sounds a little trifling, over the course of 30 years, 4,000 people were killed. Over 50,000 people suffered serious injury. But by far, the the greatest harm had to have been psychological and emotional. For three decades, hundreds of thousands of people lived constantly in fear. Fear of dying at any moment from a stray bullet, from a bomb, and other acts of terrorism. It was particularly painful because this was, in essence, a civil war with neighbor fighting against neighbor. And again, terrorism was the the form of the weaponry that was used. At the height of the troubles in the 80s and early 90s, the, the folks, the experts who studied such things, political scientists and historians, They reached the opinion, and they wrote about this in places like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, or on television. You would hear them say, there is no solution. There's no way out of this. Basically, they were were saying, the Irish people, the Northern Irish people, are just going to have to learn to live with this in perpetuity because it's here to stay. Now, those of us in this room who are in their mid-50s or older Remember this time. All of this occurred during the course of my adult lifehood. And yet today, until this moment, my guess is that nobody in this room has given the troubles more than a passing thought for a decade or longer. You see, 
this time of violence, while it lasted 30 years, it did end. There has now been peace in Northern Ireland for over 20 years. It turns out that, that these so-called experts were, who were prophesying that this was going to go on forever, well, they were simply promoting despair, presumptuous despair. Presumptuous in the sense that they failed to take into account what God can do, what God will do, if we participate. In today's reading from the Old Testament, God speaks to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. And God is addressing presumptuous despair on the part of the Israel nation. You see, all this comes at a time that is probably the darkest time in the history of Israel. It's during the time of the Babylonian exile. Jerusalem has been overrun, it's been sacked, and most of the people and all the leaders have been taken to captivity in Babylon, and despair is rampant. But God says through Jeremiah, surely a time is coming. Surely there will be a change. There'll be a new covenant, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Did you catch that? Their hearts. I will be their God. They will, they will be my people. God is speaking to a community, community that will change. But as we all know, if there's any type of change in any aspect of our lives, a permanent change, commitment is required. Commitment to the change, participation in the change is required. You see, the troubles didn't end in Northern Ireland because of a handful of a few politicians working hard. It ended through prayer and through the commitment of the Northern Irish people to end it. And all this, in an odd kind of way, is good news for us. Going back to Israel, they had gotten into the position they were, had gotten into. And it brings me to, uh, to, to mind a, a line we've all heard, I think, multiple times. Every Laurel and Hardy episode had this line. Well, Stanley, this is another fine mess you've gotten this into. You see, Israel had gotten itself into a fine mess because they had failed to abide by the first and great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that brings us to us because we can look around at our community. We can look around at our nation. We can look around at our world and conclude that we've gotten into a fine mess. It seems that more and more God is less and less in our community and daily lives, doesn't it? And if we're honest with ourselves, that begs a question. Are we in this fine mess because we have failed to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind? Or to put it more pointedly, 
How much of a priority is God in my life? How much of a priority do I make God in my life? Which brings us back to that issue, that topic, that subject of commitment. How much of a commitment do we make here at Nativity? Now, on one level, I think we can say pretty good. Our Sunday Eucharist services are all growing. We have more and more people showing up. That's good. We have visitors virtually every Sunday. That's great. We have a good group of people right now who are inquiring about joining Nativity. That's fantastic. All of this is good news, and we ought to rejoice in it. Concurrently, there are other things that we offer here at Nativity where we can candidly say participation, commitment, isn't that great? And these are things that we offer here at, at, at Nativity that are offered and are important for our spiritual growth, for our spiritual flourishing. Let me give you a few examples. Every Sunday, we offer three adult education opportunities. And these are widely different opportunities, and it's intentional. It's meant to throw a net wide and large to catch as many people as possible so that somebody can fi- everybody can find one of these three Sunday school classes that will be of interest. And it works. I've talked to people who have been to each of these classes, and everybody I've talked to says, number one, it's engaging, it's entertaining, it's also educational, and most of all, it is spiritually fulfilling and nurturing. Everyone who goes to this, these Sunday school classes say that. All 25 of them. 25 in a church this size. On Wednesday evening, we offer the best deal in the wiregrass for food, education, and fellowship. At 6 o'clock, we gather and we spend 20 or 25 minutes studying the Bible, some aspect of the Bible. Right now, it's Genesis. The people who come say, number one, it's fun. There's a lot of laughter, usually at my expense, but that's okay. And we learn a lot. And then after we finish that, we gather around the table for a great meal at $10 a person and have wonderful fellowship. Everybody who comes on Wednesday night says it is spiritually nourishing. All 15 to 20 of them in a parish this size. Nativity, we don't boast. Paul says don't boast, so we don't boast. But if we wanted to boast, we could boast that we have the best music in the Dothan, the greater Dothan community. Hands down. Period. Full stop. There's no question about it. The music we hear in this space, this morning and every Sunday morning, is stunning. The truth is that the music we hear and hear is on par with congregations that have five times the number of people and five times five times the budget. And yet, Debbie cannot recruit new members to this choir. She's tried. And over the time, the choir is slowly 
but surely shrinking. I could give a lot more examples, but I think I make the point. And by the way, we could have other things here if we had more commitment. I'm reminded here of something I heard the Bishop of Atlanta say at a meeting a few years ago. I was privileged to go to a pretty small gathering, and the bishop, his name is Rob Wright, was there. Rob Wright is somebody I admire greatly. He was the the featured speaker for a a day-and-a-half seminar, and during one of his talks, he talked about Martin Luther King. He said King was special. I don't think that surprised anybody, but then went on to say King was special not because he was particularly brilliant, not because he was particularly eloquent, not because he was particularly attractive and engaging. Wright went on to say that King was special because King was willing to do something that is open to every one of us, available to every one of us. He said King was special because he was willing to be inconvenienced by God. Inconvenienced by God. Now, lest anybody think I'm homiletically wagging my finger at the congregation, let me tell you, that's not the case. Far from it. If anything, I'm preaching into a mirror. I have my own struggles with sometimes feeling inconvenienced. And that was driven home within the last few weeks at a, uh, an event associated with a, a nativity outreach program. That event took place at the end of the day. It was, for me, a long day, an arduous day. I was tired. Frankly, I was exhausted. I didn't really want to go. And if I'm honest... If I hadn't thought it was part of my job responsibility to go, I don't think I would have. I didn't name it at the time, but what I was struggling with was some resentment at being inconvenienced by God. But I did go, and I smiled, and I said the things you'd expect me to say, and I did the things you'd expect me to do. And then when the event was over, I was talking to a friend there. As we were talking For just a few moments, I noticed there was a gentleman standing right over here to my left, maybe eight, ten feet away. I glanced at him and I saw that it was, um, it was one of these, it was one of the people who were meant to be uh, assisted by this program. And he was clearly waiting patiently to speak with us. So I turned and I said, uh, I said, I really hope you enjoyed our time together. He looked at me and said, oh, I did. It was great. And I just, I know y'all talking. I I didn't want to bother you, but I I did want to tell you thank you. I wanted to say thank you for taking your time to be with me and the rest of us. And it was him that emphasized taking your time, not me. He paused for a second. He said, you know, there are a lot of folks who are willing to give money, and that's great. That helps. But what's really important to me, what's really important to all of us here, is the folks who are willing to take their time and be with us. And we chatted for another few minutes, had a pleasant conversation. He went on his way, and as you might expect, during all the time that he was talking, 
I was feeling about that big because I had been convicted. I'd had a mirror placed in front of my face, and that mirror revealed that what I was thinking of as an inconvenience was something that provided help to another person, a neighbor in need, and and turns out to have been a blessing to me. If we want this place, Nativity, to flourish, if we want our individual and our corporate, our, our common spiritual lives to flourish, if, and possibly most importantly, if we want the spiritual lives of our children to be planted and nourished and to flourish, we can have that. We can have all of that. If God, along with the commitment and participation of the Northern Irish, can end the troubles, then God, with our participation, can lead us down that path of a spiritual life that we want. But it requires commitment. There are three aspects in the trilogy of stewardship. There's time, there's talent, and there's treasure. We tend to focus on treasure in a time like this during our focus on stewardship. But time and talent are just as important. And so, God can lead us down that spiritual path with our participation, but it will take a willingness to be inconvenienced. That is, until we realize that this inconvenience is actually a blessing. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.